to the Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is episode number nine, and this is Kevin. And this is Wes. And we are going to delve into number niner today. How have things been going on your end, Kevin? It's going well. Um, I'm kind of having a little tough time adjusting to this whole clock changing thing with losing that extra hour at night. It's nice to have sunsets at 5 p.m., right? Yeah, yeah. It's like your day's over before it starts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe there is a method to the madness. Obviously, it gets lighter earlier, right? So for all those people that get up at the crack of you-know-what and have to go milk the chickens and uh, gather the cow eggs, that's true. That's very helpful. That is, and I'm sure the authorities have it all figured out for us. <laughs> exactly. Just like they do in the realm of nutrition, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's why everybody's on the right path and they're at their perfect weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really, actually. There was... Uh, Quite a few responses that we got to a survey we did earlier, a few months ago, right, about people's weight loss challenges. Yeah, I actually sent out a survey to my other list, the Tri Swim Coach list. And these are people that are pretty active doing triathlons and getting ready to do triathlons and things like that. So one of the questions I asked was open-ended, so I got some pretty good bunch of responses. It's, uh, what are some of your challenges with fitness and getting down to the right weight for you? And there was a lot of commonalities among uh, the answers, and there was a few things that I thought would be interesting to go over on the podcast and uh, talk about here. And then also, it'd be nice to hear from some of you guys from the audience um, what your issues are, what you're struggling with, what your challenges are in terms of losing weight. So Definitely. We kind of want to you know, personalize this and make sure that we're covering all the different facets of this issue and this challenge for people that uh, needs to be covered. Yeah, we want to make this a two-way street, so we definitely want to encourage people getting back on our blog and putting in their feedback. So there were uh, quite a few themes I noticed in looking over these responses. One was portion control, like how do I determine at each meal how much to eat, and does it really matter in terms of you know maintaining my optimal weight and losing the extra body fat that I have on me? Some diets are really strict about this um, because they're obviously a diet. They have a certain plan you have to follow. And they can restrict your eating to certain foods, even down to the level of size of the portions that you eat. Now, obviously, there's a big difference between eating a whole bunch piled on your plate and tiny little portions. And it kind of reminds me of uh, restaurants. If you go to... Some of the lower-end restaurants, you get these gigantic portions, right? And as you go up the restaurant food chain to, say, like the really expensive French restaurants, the, the portions get little tiny portions and pretty much leave hungry at those places. <laughs> yeah, you spend a fortune and you leave hungry. You have to go eat again. It's amazing. Exactly. So, uh, where's the beef? <laughs> that was for a fast food chain, but, you know, most fast food places you get pretty good-sized portions, and unfortunately, the macronutrient constitution in those portions is all lopsided. You know, the carbs-to-protein ratio is 4, 5, 6 to 1, and so you're getting a lot more of the carbs, and usually it's not carbs from veggies and fruits, it's carbs from breads and cereals, you know, flour-type substances. Yeah, exactly. I remember it reminds me of a restaurant I used to go to when I lived in San Francisco. It was right down the street. 
And it was really popular because in a city full of like really expensive restaurants, it was cheap and they gave you huge portions. It was like, um, I think they had like the one pound burger and you got this huge plate of fries with that. And it was all for like 10 bucks Mm -hmm. and um, crazy popular place because, (laughs) but you're basically doubling what you really need. Plus all the buns and, you know, the extra carbs you're getting. And, you know, of course you got to wash that down with a couple beers. So yeah, all those fries is... Probably the equivalent of, what, three chopped up potatoes, yeah. which is quite a bit of uh, tubers to chow down at one meal. Yeah, right. So it's interesting to look at how animals control their portion sizes. When you're in the uh, wild as a critter, I was listening to a podcast actually recently, the Are We Alone podcast, the SETI, talking about the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, but they cover the gamut about human nature and species type studies and things like that. But this researcher was talking about how chimpanzees eat in the wild. And I guess two thirds, three quarters of their diet consists of fruits, but they're not like bananas and oranges and those kind of fruits that we eat. There's these real fibrous, bitter fruits. Yeah. And they're not really, you know, calorie dense, like the fruits that we have that we've farmed from domestic agriculture. So, um, most of the time, chimps in the wild, I, I think a lot of the time at least, is spent eating and then trying to digest what you've eaten because all this raw food, I know there's a big raw food movement to say that that's preferable, but raw food is harder to digest. It's harder to extract the calories from. And um, most of it just passes through, especially with humans. Our guts have actually been modified over uh, evolution to uh, deal with cooked food rather than raw food. So these are all facts that he presented. He's got a book out about it. But it was interesting that most of the time spent in the animal kingdom, and if you look at horses and cows, they have their heads down grazing most of the day. Yeah. So that's that's a prescription for disaster for human beings because if we were to eat all day long, we're in big trouble (laughs) given the types of foods that are presented for us. Exactly. Yeah, it becomes a problem with dogs. You know, if you give a dog a bowl full of food, they'll finish it. And if you keep filling it up, they'll just keep eating. Yeah, those auto-dispensing food bowls that they have. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't really work so well. Yeah, they typically get overweight. And a lot of people feed their cats and dogs too much, and you can definitely see it in their waistline. Yeah. So, you know, there's a case where we're trying to control the portions of the animal. But how do humans control their portions and not result in a bigger waistline? Well, I tend to, I used to do the zone, kind of the eyeball method, not exactly, I didn't measure my portions in the 40-30-30 or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I kind of look at it like if I've got a good amount of protein, a good amount of fat, and then um, the carbs, usually I try to make those some kind of healthy carbs like vegetables or fruit or maybe a combination. And um, just kind of balance it out. I mean, that to me is is the most important because you're slowing down, you know, with the fat and the protein, you're slowing down the absorption rate of the calories into your bloodstream. So how do you do it? How do you, do you actually measure it out or? I use a a weight scale and some calipers typically. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Sometimes I use the, uh, you know, immersion in water to determine the displacement. And then I factor that in the equation. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, no, I mean, it, Sears can get overboard. Uh, the zone diet basically promotes this idea that you need to measure everything in a meticulous fashion. But I think, like you say, eyeballing the portions are a really great way to look at things. And I think naturally your body is going to tell you, you know, what's going to make you full. And we've stressed on this show about 
the fact that carbs are basically, the more you eat those, the more you have an addiction to carbs, it's going to create this desire to eat more of them. And so you find yourself eating a whole bag of potato chips or my favorite's the um, the crunchy Cheetos. I can eat a whole <laughs> bag of those before lunch. No, but seriously, you end up feeling bad after you eat all this because it is just creating more insulin secretion, your blood sugar fluctuates, and you want more carbs because carbs digest within a couple hours, right? Whereas fats and proteins take longer. And so if you have more of your energy coming from fat, you're going to feel satiated and you're not going to have to eat as much at every meal. So it's more like the breaking your meals down into smaller portions throughout the day. Snacking, which is preferable to eating you know, these huge meals at each uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner time, right? Yeah, exactly. And snacking is so important here too. Because, uh, yeah, you don't want to let yourself go and get crazy hungry like a lot of people do. You get working away and forget about eating and then pretty soon you're just starving. You eat like 3,000 calories in one sitting and you start ballooning up. Mm-hmm. It's a very noticeable process that happens with people. They do binge on food and everyone knows what it feels like to have eaten too much, right? Yeah. It's fun while it lasts, but when you're done, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that much. <laughs> Yeah, every once in a while that still happens to me, but uh, I tend to have it under control. But when you were talking about the eating the Cheetos, I just thought of something I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, that show Ali G? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did one, he was talking about Pringles, and, you know, their slogan was, uh, once you pop, you can't stop. It's like the can pops yeah, open. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, he's like, then it should be illegal. <laughs> he's like, you can't stop, it's addictive, it should be illegal. <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dogs, the, the dinner bell. You just pop the Pringles yeah. can and away you go. But seriously, yeah, exactly. you know, portion control is about self-regulation. So it definitely gets into the psychological aspects of the way we eat. And what we've promoted on HealthyMindFitBody.com in our book is, is a way of eating that is not this sort of torturous diet that you have to meticulously follow, but rather a way of looking at food in a scientific but also just a, a common sense way that certain foods will result in harmful effects on your body in the long term. Mm -hmm. And even short term, I mean, if you eat a really high carb meal or a huge carb dessert, you're going to feel pretty sleepy and out of it after you do that um, because it takes so much energy and insulin to uh, digest that. But just looking at food in a new way where a lot of your portions are consisting of vegetables uh, and some fruits, but then your energy is coming from fats and not the trans fats, but the good fats. And then your protein is enough to maintain your muscular system. So how much protein does a person need? That's another issue that delves into the portion aspects. And if you look at the palm of your hand, you know, you can judge roughly grams of protein. Like in the palm of your hand, you could fit 20 to 30 grams of protein, like half a chicken breast. Yeah. Um, just those kinds of rules of thumb are good to use. And then everything else just kind of falls into place when you do that sort of common sense method. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I use that too, the palm of the hand. I mean, that's a pretty good way to estimate the protein. Mm -hmm. Since I mentioned protein requirements, it's important to try to determine, you know, what, how much protein does a person need, right? Because a lot of people say, Americans are eating way too much protein. Mm -hmm. But in fact, that's not the problem at all. The problem is that they're eating way too many carbohydrates. And that's resulted in all the obesity and overweightness that we see in our culture. But the protein is really important to get enough protein for your uh, 
your muscle system and the lean body mass that you have. So if you strip your weight of all the fat, which includes the fat in your neural system, you end up with your lean body mass, your bones, your muscles, and other connective tissue. And what is the adequate amount of protein to fuel that? Um, I've seen various charts. Barry Sears has a good chart to calculate that too. But depending on your size, you know, and how much activity you're getting, at least 100 grams a day, I think, for most men, and maybe a little less for women. And I know in the weightlifting world, they say, you know, like Muscle and Fitness Magazine, they always said one gram of protein for every pound of body weight. But typically, more realistically, you're looking at one gram per kilogram of body weight, which is 2.2 pounds. So if you do the math, you know, a 200-pound person, which is pretty hefty guy, is going to need at least 100 grams of protein. Yeah. And if they lift a lot of weights, then they're going to need, obviously, more protein than that. So that's just a good rule of thumb. Yeah. There was another answer in our survey, this one a few months ago um, that I did, that I don't think too many people answered like this, but I think it does represent the way a lot of people think about weight loss and fitness and everything. Um, They said their challenge is, I don't like to run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I saw that and I'm thinking... Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like to run. I happen to like to run, but you know everybody's different. Everybody likes different things. That's definitely not something that you have to do if you want to lose weight. And exercise is really important, but you know as we've talked about, it shouldn't be the number one thing that you concentrate on in terms of uh, getting down to your ideal weight. Mm-hmm. So you know, I just wrote an article that actually touched on this. And um, in that part of the article, I said, just make workouts fun and interesting. The great thing about exercising is that there are so many healthy forms of it. You don't have to be stuck doing one thing. So instead of doing the traditional workout of running or getting on a treadmill, you can participate in a group sport. Mm -hmm. So if that's not your thing, you can do yoga. If that's not your thing, you know, just try putting in some headphones, listening to some music. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to make things fun and it doesn't have to be um, all one thing. Yeah, the iPod is kind of a savior for various monotonous routines and exercise regimens. I mean, it really can uh, feed your brain as you're working your body. I don't really like to run unless there's something big and scary chasing me. (laughs) So uh, I find other ways, you know, different activities, volleyball and running on the beach, you know, sprinting type exercises and also weightlifting and so forth. But in order to maintain a healthy body, it's really contingent on the types of foods that you're eating and the way that you're eating. And so exercise is an added bonus. It has all these other benefits. But in terms of weight loss, if you're running or you're not running, it really uh, matters what sort of foods you're eating in terms of you know being able to keep your weight at an optimal level and lose the extra pounds that you have that you want to lose. So it's almost as if someone that says, they don't, I don't like to run, can use that as an excuse for eating the foods that they're eating, which has resulted in an unhealthy sort of physique. Yeah. So there is the psychological factor that comes into play once again there, isn't there? Definitely. And going back to the exercise, uh, last year I spent a couple months in Australia and I was walking every day for about two to three hours. And uh, when I was there, I lost about eight pounds and for me, on my small frame, that's a ridiculous amount. And it was partly because of I was just walking a lot, mm-hmm. but partly also because I hated the food, so I wasn't eating <laughs> enough. But That's a good way to practice portion control, huh? <laughs> yeah, just go to a place that you just can't stand the food, and then you're, you're good to go. Or just get the flu and just, yeah, that's good times. But yeah, I mean, walking can be a great exercise too. 
just moving your body is, is really good. Your body was meant to move. Exactly. And we may have some new pictures on our homepage. I know we've got two up on the main homepage there of our mug shots, so you can see faces to the podcast. Yeah, pictures, upper right corner. Indeed. We'd like to get your feedback about all the other different challenges that people are experiencing out there with the weight loss and fitness and so forth. So just go to our website, healthymindfitbody.com, and you can comment in the show notes there. There's a comment section on that where we post the uh, episode of the show. And you can also go to iTunes, uh, either search in iTunes or there's a link on our homepage also to go to the show there and you can rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Yeah, and we definitely want to hear your feedback. So go ahead and comment on our blog and we're going to take some of the comments and read them on the show next time. So give us your big issues, give us your main issues, tell us what you want to hear us talk about and um, we'll cover it next time. Absolutely. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week. Yeah.